This month, the American Planning Association designated the Santa Fe Rail Yard in Santa Fe, New Mexico as a great place in America. Once a booming railroad hub in the late 1800s, today the rail yard is a vibrant public space. I'm Roberta Ruers with the American Planning Association. Joining me today from the Trust for Public Land are Brian Drypolcher, Rail Yard Program Director from 2001 to 2008, and Greg Heiner, Senior Project Manager for the Trust for Public Land. Thank you for joining us today, gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate uh, this opportunity to talk about the project. Yes, thanks, Roberta. So what does a great place designation mean for the rail yard and the community as a whole? The rail yard park uh, for the community and, and for the Trust for Public Land and our efforts there, this has been a, uh, a great project for us, and I think it's been a great project for the city of Santa Fe as well in the local community as it turned a uh, really a, a as you said, a, what was once a very vibrant uh, rail, rail yard area had turned into basically a, a desolate rail yard area. And through our engagement with the community, we have turned it into a, uh, helped them turn it into a vibrant community resource. Um, and it, it's meant a lot. And I think the American Planning Association's recognition has really been a, a sort of a cherry on that Sunday. Well, we know the Trust for Public Land has played a very significant role in the redevelopment of the rail yard. Can you talk a little bit about some of the history, how the the Trust for Public Land got involved in the project, and all the way up to today, what's going on, what's the involvement? Well, Roberta, I think what I'd like to do here, I'm going to give you a sort of a brief sketch overview, um, and, and then, you know, as we get into more particulars about the park and, you know, the community involvement and the process of creating, I think those, those will be apt questions for Brian. But, um, you know, we, we were involved first. The way that this project evolved was that the rail yard, um, the BNSF that owned the park property, uh, they had a development arm called Catellus. And in the mid-1990s, Catellus had proposed a major redevelopment of the area that the rail yard would run through this Catellus Corporation. Uh, when it was proposed, it raised a lot of fears in Santa Fe, and particularly among the local community, that this development would not be in keeping with what made Santa Fe a special place, uh, given the density and the type of development that they were proposing. So first, uh, the Trust for Public Land's involvement was helping the city acquire the property from Catellus, uh, which we did in the mid-1990s. Uh, we helped do the transaction and purchase that property, uh, and the city then owned it with our help in that transaction. Uh, then once the city had owned the property, they realized that they were going to need and special help and skills to really create the the space that they saw that this city deserved and this community deserved. And uh, through our through our constant engagement with uh, the city after they purchased it, they actually came and turned to us and said, "Can you help us build this park?" Uh, and that's a process then of building the park that I think Brian really knows more about than I do. Um, so then we worked with the community. Uh, and the city t- to build this park, 
and completed it during uh, uh, Brian's term here at the Trust for Public Land. And now here at the end, um, uh, you know, we continue to help as we can with the park uh, and uh, help with some of the organizations that we helped uh, found uh, in relationship to the park. Um, one of the things that the Trust for Public Land did in relation to the Rail Yard Park and Plaza is we helped create the Rail Yard Stewards, uh, which is a local community group that helps with uh, the maintenance of the park uh, here now that the park is completed because the city was quite clear in the get-go that we'd love to see a special place built, but we don't know if we'll have the skill sets to take care of it. So that's one of the ways that we have tried to, uh, you know, ensure not only there was a great park built, but that um, there might be the tools to make sure it continued to be a great park. And Brian? You know, another, this is Brian speaking. Uh, another thing that got put in place at the time of the acquisition, so TPL with its with its capability to help put together a good deal, and I mean a good deal for the, the acquisition that was good for the city, good for Catullus as the seller, and good for the community, and also good for the trust for public land. Um, a structure was put in place at that time that was based on the recognition that part of the project would be developed as really a, a commercial and cultural resource for the city. So within the 50 acres, a large part of the project would be for uh, commercial um, enterprises and for cultural enterprises, uh, museums and uh, galleries. And then also within that 50 acres would be set aside this 13 acres for the public spaces, the common areas, the open space, the parklands, and, and the preservation of the railway corridor within the rail yard. So two parts to the 50 acres, commercial and cultural properties and the 13 acres of parkland. So when we talk about the park, that's this 13-acre set-aside that's actually set aside in perpetuity with a protective conservation easement to uh, kind of withdraw that part of the property from development and preserve it as open space and parklands. And Brian, maybe you can talk a little bit about, this was a massive undertaking, right? How do you even begin to kind of wrap your head around where do you start and how do you get to that vision point at the end to what the park is today for the community and visitors alike that they get to enjoy. Well, it, it is a, it was a huge undertaking and still is. And when you ask at the beginning of this interview, what's the meaning of this award uh, to be recognized as a, as a great American public space? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a there's a lot of pride in the committee in the community for having pulled this off. You know, we're a small American city, and through what was really a grassroots and bottom-up effort, um, the people of Santa Fe and our, and our Santa Fe local government did something very, very gutsy, and here we are years later, and um, we, we pulled it off. And, you know, I'm, in saying grassroots and, and, and bottom-up, that really was the foundation for a successful story. At all the points along the way where decisions needed to be made, where resources had to be allocated, uh, there was a lot of um, advocacy and a lot of commitment that was in place. And, and a citizenry that really paid attention 
you know, when there was a when there was a design center opened by the Santa, by the city, where people could come in and make comments and fill out a little questionnaire card and say what they wanted to see on that property. Hundreds of people showed up. When there was a city um, uh, 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 during one of the election campaigns, and one of the posters said, "You know, what are you paying attention to in your community community that you care about?" In the top three, one of those things was the Santa Fe Rail Yard. Seventy-three percent of the people in the community said, "We're paying attention to and we care about the Santa Fe Rail Yard." So yes, it was a huge undertaking, and it had this really, really strong foundation of awareness and support within the community to help pull it off. So obviously, one of the factors that created to the success was this public-private partnership that was generated through throughout the process. What else do you think contributed? Obviously, passion from the community was probably one of those efforts. But what else do you think contributed to the success to bring the rail yard to its current status? Um, I think we're a town that um, pays attention to its its built environment. There's a keen sense that the choices that Santa Fe has made really since the 1600s, the early 1600s, the choices that we've made as a community about our built environment really says something about um, what we care about and what we think about ourselves and how we want to project how we think about ourselves to the people who come and visit our city. Um, so I think that's, that's something that that contributed to the success of the project, this awareness of um, what the built environment says about who we are and what it says about what we care about. Speaking of the built environment, I understand that one of the unique characteristics of the rail yard was maintaining the train tracks. Can you talk a little bit about why that preservation of the train tracks was important? Yeah, yeah, I think there are a few, uh, a few reasons. Um, I think there's just something very basic and iconic about a railroad, you know, and and, and the railroads and the role they played in the settlement of this country and the romance of riding on a train and um, kind of the, the this gritty aspect of a rail railroad uh, rail yard property in an urban environment, and um, it just kind of had this character and identity and charisma. I think people realized that that it was something that that was something to be preserved. And the history of Santa Fe as a crossroads, really a, a regional transportation crossroads, and also at that time. Uh, people seeing the potential for commuter rail service uh, up and down the Rio Grande corridor, which actually has come true sooner than I, th- I think anybody thought, you know, with Governor Richardson getting this twinkle in his eye to build a railroad, and then, gosh darn it, he does it. And we now have commuter rail between Albuquerque and Santa Fe that comes right into the right into the heart of the city at the, at the uh, rail yard. So there was this visionary aspect uh, for commuter rail that actually has come true. And then, if you're on the property and you stand in the middle of the rail yard and you look to the east, there's this awesome, iconic, iconic view of the historic rail, rail yard uh, depot. And in the background, you're looking up into the mountains. And today, if you look up there, the aspens are turning gold. So there's something about a railroad corridor 
again, within an urban context that, that maintains, that, that preserves this visual corridor that in this, in, in this particular setting is pretty stunning. And uh, people realized that uh, at the time. And, and again, it's a, another aspect of the project that's come true. You both had touched on the funding, uh, purchasing the property from a developer. Can you talk a little bit about how did you go about funding? What type of funding did you use? Local, state, federal support? Obviously, this is no small undertaking. Yes, uh, Roberta, it's, it, it was a huge undertaking for us um, to, to raise the necessary funds uh, to, to build this park. Um, you know, we touched on the acquisition uh, which was roughly $21 million, I believe. $21 million paid for a property that at the time was appraised at uh, $28 million. $28 million. Um, so the city first took on that, that itself, the purchasing of the property and paying for it, which they raised those funds through uh, uh, floating a bond. Uh, subsequent to the purchase of the property, the park was, uh, and I'll just use round numbers, it was roughly a, a $14 million project. Um, and of that, $8 million was state, local, and federal government funds, and 6 was uh, private, either being individuals or foundations. Uh, and it was a, you know, I'm looking back on it, I probably don't remember all the things that Brian would remember about each and every one of the pushes to get those those donations and gifts and and uh, uh, you know reimbursements from the state and federal thing for for different initiatives, um, but it was a big push on all fronts to to pull this together. Um, but I think it was helped, as Brian was uh, alluding to, because of the community's interest and engagement in the rail yard. Um, Though it was a, a big number to raise, uh, there was the desire to see it done and done well, and I'm sure that was helpful. The rail yard offers a little bit of something for everyone. Was that part of your planning process to think about how do we make this space engaging to all community members of all ages? It's very much in our minds going into this and, and developing the program for the spaces, developing the brief and the program for our design competition was how how are we going to activate these spaces? You know, the, the, the image of the rail yard when we took this on really needed some rehabilitation. It was uh, a neglected property. It was pretty scruffy. It had some environmental concerns. Um, um, significant transit population moving through uh, the property. It was seen as kind of a dirt patch that was kind of unsafe. Um, so, you know, not only did we want to rehabilitate the space aesthetically and rehabilitate the space to um, be, you know, economically successful for the city, but it really needed a significant um, uh, image upgrade. And, and so part of that was thinking about how are we going to get people there. And the space is pretty challenging. You know, the park itself, the, core, the, the main part of the park, nine acres, um, has busy streets on all of its sides, so it's a little tricky to get there. 
Um, there are some neighborhoods nearby, but there's not a large residential component right on the park. So how do you get people there? Why are people going to want to go there? So we really thought a lot in the beginning about not only what things would look like, but what would be happening there and what kind of programming could take place and how, how could we design in features that would be programmable features. So uh, the desire to have really a destination children's play space, the desire to have, you know, downtown Santa Fe has its historic plaza, but in a lot of ways the city has overgrown that historic plaza. We can overcrowd that plaza and and have things happen there that are bad to the trees, bad to the grass. Um, it gets overused. So we wanted to uh, have a resilient space that could be used for large festival gatherings, a place with a performance lawn where you could have concerts and outdoor movies in the park, a place where young people would want to hang out, um, a new rail yard plaza that would be very durable. I mean, it's basically a hardscape plaza uh, paved with trees, um, but it's a great place for programming the farmer's market for having outdoor concerts, uh, to be surrounded by the restaurants and movie theater that have moved in, um, to, to be activated by the things that are going on around it. Um, so yes, we, we thought a lot about trying to make a space that would have a social life that could be programmable and that uh, would be attractive to, to users and uses. And Brian, you mentioned that initially you had to deal with the challenge that the space was tricky to get to. And my understanding is, is there are a variety of ways people can actually come to the rail yard. So can you talk a little bit about how did you create a multimodal access point so people could come in a variety of ways to the rail yard? Yeah, we, we really did look beyond the boundaries of the park. And, and one of the things that the Trust for Public Land and and, and actually since my time with the Trust for Public Land I've been working on is, is promoting the city's urban trail network. And if you look at a map of Santa Fe, if you look at the rail, railway corridor, and we do have the Santa Fe um, rail trail. So one of the city's, uh, one of the spines really of the city's urban trail network is the rail trail. Also through the rail yard park, um, a 400-year-old uh, irrigation ditch runs through the park, the Acequia Madre. And one of the other spines of the city's urban trail network is the Acequia Trail. And then only about two blocks away from the rail yard is the Santa Fe River. And the third spine of the urban trail network is the Santa Fe River Trail. So you have this convergence going on that's really a, a great opportunity uh, to get people to the park, to and from the park, from neighborhoods uh, on this urban trail network. One of the one of the missing building blocks really has been uh, for the Asakia Trail and the Rail Trail. How do you get across St. Francis Drive, which is a major artery in the city? And uh, just just now, this fall, uh, the bid, uh, the request for bids will go out for the construction of a trail underpass at St. Francis Drive, which I'm really excited about. It will represent a major connection from the park to, to uh, neighborhoods to the, to the south and west. So the urban trail network is a big piece. And then seeing commuter rail come true. 
you know, now with commuters arriving every morning at the rail yard and leaving in the evening and going into and through the rail yard property and the rail yard plaza to get to and from that commuter rail service has is, is really been cool to see. Um, whenever there's a major event, if it's in Albuquerque, the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta, there's a major event in Santa Fe like uh, the uh, Indian market that brings tens of thousands of people to the city and people coming and going on commuter rail. That land in the rail yard has been has been great for the vitalization of the rail yard and the rail yard's park spaces. Um, and you know, fortunately, downtown Santa Fe is a really walkable environment. I mean, you, you walk from the rail yard plaza to our historic park plaza in 10, 15 minutes. So that rail connection, the trail connection, and just the fundamental walkability of our downtown area um, lends. Uh, some accessibility to, to the to the rail yard. So really making it accessible for everybody to come in. Earlier you had mentioned that you had the idea that came up during the planning process about stewards of the park. Can you talk a little bit about the stewards and, you know, a lot of forethought went into that because you're building this area and thinking about the plan and dealing with what you described as, you know, once was a vibrant area and kind of gone downhill to having a beautiful place, to making sure that it stays a beautiful place and a gathering place for communities. So how important are the stewards, and how does that program work? Well, uh, I think a theme for um, all around the country, really, for, for cities, it happens that to raise money for capital projects is relatively easier. It's certainly true in our town. Uh, the, uh, a city has bonding capacity, you can issue bonds, you can borrow money, and you can build, the, build things. There's not a similar in, uh, kind of structure or financing model in place for long-term maintenance. And so our city has always struggled with being able to build a great new recreation center, being able to put in place great new city amenities or great new city infrastructure, great new parks, but then how do you take care of them? Well, with property taxes, or in the case of our city, gross receipts taxes to fund maintenance of properties. But, you know, after September 11th in 2001, and then after our recent recession, uh, gross receipts revenues, property tax revenues just uh, have not been cutting it. So back during our fundraising process, a lot of what we heard from potential donors was, oh, great. The city's going to build another park, and then you're not going to be able to take care of it. And I'm a little bit worried about putting money into this project and then seeing something that's not well cared for and seeing, you know, having this sense that my my financial support is going to waste. So uh, we felt like in addition to building the political will for the city to take care of the property, it made a lot of sense to look at, other mechanisms to take care of the property. And, you know, an obvious model, although in a very, very different context, is to look at something like the Central Park Conservancy that has been so tremendously uh, successful. Now, our little park is not surrounded by some of the most expensive real estate on the planet, but nonetheless, we saw this opportunity to put in place another type of public-private partnership where with something like the Railyard Stewards, private effort and private monies and volunteerism and community engagement 
could be put in place to take care of the park. So it was a, a response to a challenge from our donors and a response to the economic realities of the tax base in Santa Fe uh, to put in place another mechanism for the long-term care of the park. That's a great ending to our interview. I'll wrap up with one final question for both of you. Obviously, the rail yard can be seen as an inspirational project for a lot of communities around the country. What advice would you give them on how do you get started and how do you hold on to that that dream realization and make it come true? I think what what a lot of people in in our town and unfortunately a lot of towns a lot of towns everywhere um it's really cool when you can have and maintain a pride in place. And it's really cool when that pride in place can influence the choices you make about that place. And whenever you can see that kernel or that spark in a community, uh, to be proud of the place where you live and then to harness that, and turn it into making powerful choices about shaping the future of where you live. Um, it's it's just a really cool and fun and exciting thing, and it's something that can really bring a community together. and uh, And I think that's something that's happened here and with the rail yard park, and it's happened with lots of other projects on on small scares. You know, when a neighborhood gets together to revitalize its little playground that's going to heck, um, it's fun and exciting and rewarding and, and, and generates a sense of pride and gets neighbors to know their neighbors. And, and so whenever there's an opportunity to kind of harness that potential and then to go with it and look for mechanisms to sustain engagement, and to build on successes. You know, you look for the little success that people can get excited about and look forward to the next success. And, um, you know, it's it's the proverbial uh, uphill and sustainable and good slippery slope. It's going up the slippery slope. It's, it's, uh, it's good news building on good news. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I'd also say that you know, not to be too blatant and plugging here, you know, it's as, as Brian is, is pointing out, you got to find those people. These projects survive because, you know, there's somebody out there that, that's really got the fire in the gut to, to get things done and, and wants to see a change. And then there's organizations, you know, that like the Trust for Public Land and, you know, with our Parks for People program that really can help make these projects succeed. Um, and, you know, in this case, uh, you know, we had a community that was really engaged in a, in a political base that was really engaged to see this project happen. Um, and, and really, fortunately, uh, you know, the Trust for Public Land was here as well, and we had resources uh, like Brian and people before him, like Steve Thompson, um, who, uh, you know, brought a skill set that helped the city do this acquisition and then could bring... Uh, you know, our national expertise to bear uh, to help with the, the whole process of building the park and the design competition and, and on and on. Um, so it's, it, you know, the other word of advice in some way is, is find, those, find those resources out there that can really, really help too, you know, and, and bring shape and bring capacity to bear.
Um, and, you know, and, and don't forget to dream. Keep dreaming, I think, is, is, is really the key. Excellent. So we'll end on Keep Dreaming. Well, Brian and Greg, thank you both for joining us today. And if you want to read more about the Great Places in America designation of the Santa Fe Rail Yard, you can visit planning.org slash greatplaces. places.